What's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of A Whole Lot of BS Podcast, presented by Revolution Sports Performance. Today, we continue on with part two uh, with Kevin Poppy, and we're looking at where Kevin is in his present-day career. Uh, We also touch on work-life balance, and the part that I'm most excited about is Kevin talks about how his faith overflows into his work and actually makes him better at his job. Uh, We finish up with some advice for some young coaches and some rapid fire. Great episode today. Uh, Pumped to have Kevin back on to finish up with him and uh, get some more insight. I really enjoyed part one as I listened to it again. So here's part two with Kevin Poppy. All right, so let's fast forward to today. And like I said, you are a co-owner of Dynamic Sports Training and also Mm -hmm. the director of ops at the North uh, Campus or Training Center. So let's what are your daily role, your daily responsibilities? Uh, what, what's, what does your job look like right now? Um, well, it's, it's very seasonal. So um, currently right now, uh, my main job, because it's in May, so our baseball off season's over. Um, high school uh, seasons are wrapping up. College seasons are wrapping up. Uh, pro seasons are just underway. And my main role as a as a coach now is training the um, the uh, pro groups, so the MLB and MILB groups, um, and uh, trying to, I guess, um, keep the operations side running here. And what that looks like for us is making sure you know, billing is done correctly, making sure that our um, our commission structure, our bonus structure for our coaches is 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 um, uh, handled well. Um, communicating with we operate out of a place called Premier Baseball of Texas which is probably the nicest uh, baseball uh, facility in the in the state if not beyond that and um, so coordinating with them on field usage coordinating with them on upcoming summer programs and right now um, I'm focusing on actually programming out some of the summer uh, programs and making modifications all of our coaches have a have a role in in the programming for the summer but uh starting to actually, um, you know, get everything organized as far as schedules for interns and things like that right now. Um, during the summer, it, it primarily becomes the role of a strength coach. I'll be training four groups a day. Um, all of our coaches pretty much work um, extended hours in the summertime. We just have a higher influx of volume, which is pretty common. Um, and then in the fall, it's um, training the uh, the pro guys. I'm uh, the director of the pro baseball offseason up here at North, and uh, me and Dennis. Uh, Dennis is the assistant director of baseball offseason up here. Uh, me and Dennis will train the pro groups, and we usually have two or three of those during the during the day. And then uh, the rest of it is just operationally making sure uh, people are doing their jobs well, but that I'm staying out of their way so they can do their jobs well. That's pretty much my role at this point. And then uh, we have a board of directors myself uh josh graber sammy knox who's our south uh, who's our south director and lee fioki we have meetings monthly to make sure that our our vision um moving forward is the same we're on the same page with our with goals and we try to implement strategies to achieve those so during the off season um the minor league major league off season let's can you give me like an hour by hour breakdown or what your what your day looks like there what time you get in the facility how long you're working when you're working out what you when you're leaving so um myself personally and i'll i'll point out that other coaches have more strenuous hours than i do um so i don't want to sound like i'm trying to be a martyr here 
Um, but I usually have a one-on-one a few times a week in the morning around 5.30 in the morning. So I'll, I'll get to the facility somewhere between 5.15 and 5.30 um, and just be ready for that one-on-one. Uh, their program's already pretty done, so I really just need to be able to coach them through it. Um, and then from there, that'll probably wrap up around 6.30. And from 6.30 to 7.45 or 8, I'm, I'm trying to get my own workout in at that point, and that's my time uh, to lift. And then around 8 o'clock, um, I am answering emails and responding to any phone calls that I got in the evening the, the day before. Um, and then around 8.30, uh, myself and Dennis are prepping for the group, making sure that if there are any modifications that are needing to happen, if someone's dealing with like a tweet here or there, uh, we're going through that. We're setting up our, our speed drills, our med ball drills for the day, just putting up our, our stations that we're going to need. Um, and then training starts at uh, um, 9 a.m. And that's usually a dynamic warm-up. And then the position players will go with DK. Uh, that's Dennis. Uh, We'll go with DK outside and work on their speed and agility work. Uh, pitchers will come with me, and we'll either be doing some sort of arm care or med ball or rotational um, um, uh, power work, depending on the point in the offseason. We'll also be doing sprint work. Um, and then the second half, they'll all come together in the weight room, and uh, they're on their lift, so we're coaching our athletes through our lift. Um, and so that's usually a two-hour period, and then – um, it's wrapping up the group, making sure the group's cleaned up. Um, usually the athletes at this point just kind of linger because we're at a baseball facility. So they usually always hit here too and throw and field. So they're lingering and they're hanging out. And we're at that point, I'm answering emails and phone calls that are coming in throughout the day that I don't answer in the mornings. And then, um, any, any special task needs to be done at that point. And then our next group, uh, usually starts around one o'clock and that's pretty much the same process. Um, so we have a nine o'clock and a one o'clock. And then after that, um, I'm pretty much done training for the day unless I've taken on any sort of one-on-ones. So I'm doing more of the office work, the operational side work. Um, and then I'm in the baseball off season. I'm actually usually able to leave around five thirty or six o'clock, but just depending on if there's, um, a lot of kids in the weight room, sometimes after school group coaches will need my help in the weight room. So I'll step in there. Or I'm doing assessments of some kind. Um, but that's, that's pretty much my day in the baseball off season, usually typically around a 12 hour day, I'd say. So how do you find work life balance working that much? Um, you just got to draw lines, man. You just gotta, um, Josh Graber, our, our director of business ops, he, um, he put out a great tweet the other day about accessibility. It's like being accessible is great, but, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but the uh, allowing um, accessibility it becomes, can become an issue sometimes. So you need to be able to draw lines where you're not going to do work stuff. So I made a big mistake early in my career and every strength coach does this of responding to phone calls and texts at all hours. So responding at 1030 at night to a text from a dad that's asking a question that can, that he could have asked tomorrow. You know, yeah. um, athletes reaching out unless it's like an emergency, but just drawing lines when you go home, like put work aside, you know, for the day, cause you will burn out. Everyone will burn out doing this. If you work those extended hours and you take it home with you, you will burn out. And so before that happens, you need to find a way to, to make boundaries for yourself, do things that you enjoy doing, you know? So if it's, Hey, when I leave the office today, 
I'm not even gonna look at my emails unless I'm expecting an urgent email of some kind. And I'm not answering phone calls unless it's an emergency and I get that in a voicemail. And I'm not responding to text unless it's an emergency or something that applies to the morning group tomorrow. And I'm, I'm putting that aside and that's gonna be my personal time. And if I'm going to take work home with me, I'm taking a specific assignment home with me. So one of the things I do is I don't even bring my computer home because uh, so I can't do work. Yeah. Um, and so if I know I'm going to need to do some work at home, which just oftentimes just does become necessary, I'll set a certain amount of time aside. I'll talk to my wife about it and say, hey, just so you know, I need to get this done tonight. So I'll probably be working till this this time. And um, we just kind of come to that agreement. And then one of the things that we try to do here is not train on the weekends. We don't make it our coaches train on weekends because we want them to be able to prioritize um, personal life. And eventually um, our coaches will all have families and, and kids and they won't be able to work weekends. So then it turns into um, do they change career paths yeah. or do, they, do we have accept turnover for younger coaches? Um, so it's trying to create an environment now that that allows avenues for all of our coaches to have a work uh, and life balance. But it is really tough to do so in our industry, as you know, because we are in a relationship industry. And so a lot of it is relationships, personal relationships. You have friendships, you have mentorships that you can't just turn off, you know, during well, not. I also feel like it's a badge of honor for strength coaches to be like, Oh, I worked so many hours last week and right. you know, like I don't take vacations and you know, right. I've been in positions whether internships or jobs where it's like frowned upon if you're taking a three day weekend to go see your college friends. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to do work, you know, 365 days? Like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be standing here staring at a wall with nothing going through my head while there's athletes in here. If I don't take a vacation. Absolutely. So what's, what's more beneficial me mentally being checked out or me physically being gone for a day or two every month or something. So um, I think that's huge for young coaches as well. And I'm sure there's some older coaches too, that still get caught up in that. And it's not just a badge of honor, but it's a, it's a pride thing as if like nobody could handle it if you stepped away, you know? Yeah. yeah it's often, oftentimes it's probably a lack, like you said before, lack of infrastructure or lack of a, a system that's set up. To where or pride where you just don't want to give that control over to someone else yeah. and that's why you're stuck at the at the gym for so long yeah i i i'd lean on two phrases that i say quite a bit and one is you know you you work to live not live to work that's number one so like do i do i get enjoyment out of my job yeah but there's a lot more to my life so i don't want my job to be my entire life and then the second part of it that i i heard in college and you know it's a the, the, the phrase is about making money, but it applies just to work ethic in general. It's like any, any fool can work more to earn more, but it takes a wise person to learn how to work less and make the same, you know? And so, uh, you, you know, you try to set up structures and balances for all of your coaches and all of your staff and yourself personally to, to not just take on more work. Like that shouldn't be a badge of honor. Like that should just, um, that's going to burn you out eventually. You're just going to become a crabby negative person. But also like if you can find a way to, to share load with other people, you're going to be happier. We're all going to be as successful, if not more successful a long term. And uh, you don't have to, you don't have to put it in crazy hours all the time, you know? Definitely. Definitely. So off of that, what, um, what is the best and worst part of your job currently? 
Um, it's a good question. Uh, the best part of my job has always been um, the ability to help others and uh, being able to uh, pour into others' lives. And um, the the most rewarding part for um, for a coach and athlete relationship is seeing the athletes perform well on the field. And it's not that you think you did it for them. It's that you know how hard they worked for it. And so it's just a rewarding feeling to, to be able to see all the back end um, work and see it pay off for them on the field. And then um, that also goes with me now as a, as a business owner and a director is being able to, that, that relationship isn't just with my athletes anymore. Now it's got to be with my coaches. So the rewarding part for my coach, to see my coach succeed is if I see them, you know, working with our high level clients, seeking them out or them doing really well with their job and they seem happy or having a good personal life at home. You know, I, I, I find that very rewarding. So that, that's the best part of my job. I'd say the worst part of my job is, um, and it, it, to say worst is sounds way more negative than I think it is, but you know, when you're in a leadership position there, there does, um, you know, I think people don't understand what kind of work goes into the leadership position. Uh, I think it, it's taken for granted at times. Um, but I mean, that's not even like that bad. That should just be understood. Um, I'd say, and yeah, I guess the work schedule is a negative, but when you see the payoff and you have the, um, and when you have the, the reward of seeing your athletes succeed, I mean, it makes it worth it for sure. I always try to highlight the worst part of, a, of anyone's job, though, because I think it's so easy to get the Instagram, social media view of whatever someone's doing now. So, um, you know, just to understand that whether it's another strength coach looking and be like, oh, if I worked at DST, it'd be perfect. Or, oh, if I was the strength coach for the Angels, I'd be so happy or these things. It's like, well, there's all, the grass isn't always greener. There's always some pros and cons to every job. Right. And especially when you talk pro ball too. Um, one of the things that I've talked with Lee about, I know is that, you know, th there's a recognition there. Um, but at the same time, like you no longer have control over your own schedule um, and you do not get weekends anymore, but you have an off season. So there's like a give and a take, you know? Um, but yeah, the grass is definitely never uh, as green as it seems on the other side of the fence. And it often seems that way Instagram wise. I'd say another good perk to my job is showing up in a t-shirt and yeah. shorts every day. That's amazing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. Uh, all right. So one thing that I really admire about DST and try to emulate is how um, your faith drives your business mm -hmm. and how you're always looking to uh, share that with others, whether it's employees or uh, athletes. So uh, could you speak on that? Because it's pretty counterculture now to um, have your faith overflow into work or work relationships. Yeah, I mean, I think it all stems from our belief on the, on the director's side anyway, um, that, um, you know, the faith, faith is the biggest thing in our lives. Um, I'm, and I'm, I, right now, all I'm speaking for is myself, Lee and Josh. Um, that have kind of tried to build this culture. Um, and faith is the biggest thing in our lives. And at the end of the day, we're in relationship-based business. And if we're, we get athletes from middle school, high school, um, college and pro ranks, but at, at, for the most part, 
uh, the last contact we have with most of our athletes, our last like, professional contact we have with most of our athletes is at 20 years old ish, right? Give or take. If you have your pro athletes, you have your high school athletes that quit at 18. Um, and very rare, there are guys playing into their 30s and 40s that we work with. Um, so I think the way we look at it is what we want to be able to do, every person in the world wants to be able to make an impact, right? And so to be able to make an impact, to sit there and think like, I, I was able to work with this kid for five to 10 years and our relationship pretty much stops at 20 because all we did was focus on strength, conditioning, and sport. Um, then what have we really done for them? You know, we really haven't set them up for anything. You, you might've been able to help teach them some perseverance and some, some grit, but that's not something that like lasts, you know, that's something that at the end of the day, we're, we're coaching people to play a sport and regardless of what the sport is. Usually it's got like a ball and some lines and there are some arbitrary rules that someone made up a hundred years ago, you know? And so if, if the level of our impact stops at sport, that's pretty ridiculous and a pretty meaningless impact, you know, in my opinion, if I just made someone better at hitting around ball or throwing around ball and then running around and touching some pillows on some dirt and see how quickly they can do it. That's, that's, that doesn't mean much to me. So I think what we, we always want to do is be able to, um, to project our faith in what we do, not necessarily shove it down people's throat. Cause I think there are some people that probably wouldn't know just from outside looking in that we're a faith-based company, but being able to, um, lead with our faith, I think is important just because if we're trying to impact lives, what better way to impact lives. And if we are, um, going to hold ourselves to that standard. Why not let everyone know what our standard is so they can help hold us accountable as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, especially that last part about having other people hold you accountable. Uh, I think that's huge. And one thing from my end that I see that, that has the most impact because it's probably the thing I struggle with the most. Um, and you spoke about this earlier with Lee and having a family and changing to more of like a servant's heart is something that, that I, it brings me back down to earth a lot more when I think, you know, like the easiest example in the Bible is Jesus washing uh, his disciples feet. Um, so when I think about, you know, if my savior is going to do that for someone, like I need to go to an extreme to be kind and to be nice. And when I get like frustrated, take that deep breath and think about um, what I'm going to do because it's very easy to get frustrated when you're working with high school kids all day. Um, so understand that. And then also that should help you put more effort and energy into the work that you're doing because you want to serve um, your athletes, your clients and show them that you're willing to give them your best, um, especially if that's what you're asking for. So um, I think it's, it's awesome to see from you guys um, and very encouraging to me. And then also it definitely pushes me. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that, I'm sure sometimes it feels like you guys aren't doing much with that, but it's definitely overflowed into how I try to approach my business. Right. And, we, and obviously we've, we've seen it on your side too. And so, I mean, you can just do a simple scroll through both, both of our Instagram feeds and you'll see uh, verses or you'll see uh, different things. And so, I mean, that's definitely encouraging that we're not like alone in that. Yep. yep. And if we're trying to be countercultural, which we are top to bottom, then that's a good place to start. And, um, you're, you're right. Like Jesus washing the disciples feet, like that was the ultimate display of humility, but leadership at the same time and love. And so, you know, there's times where it's easy to let ego and pride get in the way. You feel disrespected, yeah. you feel hurt by somebody that you kind of want to just lash out and you just got to be like, Hey, just take it. 
keep being kind, keep trying to serve the best you can. Yeah. It's so easy. And in, in like a high testosterone field to want to beat your chest and say like, look what I did or look at what my athletes are doing. You know, even if it's, if it's in an athlete first way, we, we still go about it. Like, well, my guys are gaining more velocity than your guys are or something like that. And it's like totally missing the boat. If you do it that way, it's and again, like you said, it's not, that shouldn't be our first priority when working with the athletes. It should be, how can I help this person in their life? Um, And obviously we both believe the biggest way to do that is through our faith. Right. And so I just think that, you know, and I'm sure you, you see it the same way is, the, the first step is just to, to live what you say you, you live and let people know what you, what you believe. And so I think we do that well with, our, with how we project our company. Um, but have, have your actions reflected. You know, if it, if it is just Bible verses on an Instagram page and there's no action backing it yep. up, it's really useless and actually probably harmful to the faith overall. Yep. And um, so being able to show it and it's, it's been pretty cool because you're right at times you don't feel like you're doing much with it. Um, but then every now and then a conversation opens up and that's, and that's been pretty cool with, uh, I've, I've been able to have several conversations over the years with guys. I never thought I'd have conversations with about faith. And while I don't think that, you know, in those conversations, there was any drastic change of heart or anything like that. Um, in, in certain cases, um, I, I, just thankful for the opportunity to plant a seed, you know, and just let them know what I believe. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So let's uh, start to finish up here. Uh, Advice for young strength and conditioning coaches Mm -hmm. and uh, that are either starting in the field or looking to get into the field. Okay. Yeah. So advice for young strength and conditioning coaches that could be listening out there. Number one is put your pride away. No one cares about your degrees. Just nobody. So nobody's going to hire you. Um, in the private sector, absolutely nobody will hire you based on your, just your resume. Nobody. I don't care how, how much you think the letters after your name matter. They don't matter. Um, what matters is can you build relationships? Can you have conversations with people? Um, and can you, uh, can you actually coach? So some of the best coaches we have did not have the highest level of degrees. Um, some of them did. Some of the worst interns I've ever had had the highest degrees and all the letters after their names, but they were the absolute worst interns. And just don't go in to the field looking for a handout. You're going you're to have to earn it regardless of what you've done in school. So yeah, don't be afraid to, to pound pavement and, and get your name out there. You're going to have to do it, but at the same time, um, do it in a way that's showing people how much you care rather than just trying to overpower them with what you know, because people just don't care what you know unless they know if you care. Right. Right. So, um, just being able to, those are my two biggest pieces of advice. Understand that there, if you're looking to get rich in this industry, you're in the wrong industry. Uh, first and foremost, no one's going to hire you based off your resume. That's the second thing. You've got to be able to grind and work it out early on. It's just how it is. Uh, there's no easy road in this industry right now. And uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. And be patient. It, to me, I've, I've used this analogy. It's like um, success is like this hallway with a bunch of doors in it. And you see that first door at the end of the hallway and you're like, oh, that's pretty close. I can be successful pretty quickly. 
And you go open that door and there's another hall, there's another door. You just have to keep going through these doors. And each one, each room and each part of the hallway presents different challenges. And uh, the, do the corridor, the entire thing is much longer than it initially seems. So just understand that uh, you're in for a long-term process. It's not, it's not as quick as it looks, it never is. And um, you know, do the best with what you can and, and try not to overstretch yourself. I like that hall analogy. I'm going to steal that from you. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> and not give you any credit. Just a heads no, up. Do not give me credit. Never. <laughs> All right. Uh, rapid fire to finish up. All right. Let's do it. Favorite movie. Oh, shoot. Favorite movie. Lion King. Duh. Are you pumped about the new one coming out? So jacked up about the new one coming out. Yeah. It looks pretty sweet. Lion King's number one. Um, number two is probably, um, I like Man on Fire with Denzel Washington. It's a great movie. So. What about baseball movie? Best baseball movie? I, honestly, I'm, I'm one of these people, I don't think there has been very good baseball movies ever made. I, I, I like Bull Durham. I do think it's a bit overrated for what people say it is. Um, as, a guy like from, as a guy from Durham, that really hurts. I'm sorry, man. Hey, <laughs> we guys play for the Bulls. I just I think it's a good movie. I just don't think yeah. it's as great as people made it out to be. Gotcha. Um, I, I really like the major leagues, even though they they weren't great. You know, like, but they were funny. They're funny. They're really so, funny. So I, I like the major league movies. Uh, favorite musical artist? Oh man, I wouldn't be from Texas if I didn't say George Strait. <laughs> uh, favorite I'm a music guy, man. Yeah. Nice. Favorite TV show? TV show? Yeah. Uh, the Office, 100%. Love it. Uh, do you have a drama that you like a lot too, or is it just all Office? Is it like heads and shoulders above everything else? Uh, well, like The Office is my background noise nowadays. Yeah. So it's like if I'm just in the house or anything, The Office is on. Like, so I know I could probably quote every episode. As far as the drama goes, um, I, sometimes I think life's a little more dramatic than I want it to be. So I don't, I don't necessarily want to entertain myself with drama and stress, but, um, I, I liked breaking bad a lot. That was fun to watch. And we just have been watching a series called better call Saul, which is a spinoff. That's been mm -hmm. pretty good. I like that too. Uh, what do you do for fun outside of training guys? Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know. I like to do normal things. We uh, get out, go to, there's a lot of breweries around town. So I like to get out and uh, go to those. If we have some time, I like to go to games and watch, watch the guys play. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Play, I've got a dog, so I play with my dog. Um, honestly, a lot of my downtime is just spent just re relaxing and resting. So anything that's leisure, if I can get to the beach or something like that, that's great. But any leisure activity for the most part. If someone came to you tomorrow and said you can't be a strength coach anymore, what would you do? What profession would you get into? That's interesting. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I, I could take the easy cop out and say I'd get back into coaching a sport, but that's not a good cop out. I would say I would, I would try to get into some sort of uh, – um, well, in Houston it's all about oil and gas, but I'm not really sure what kind of industry I would be in. I would be looking probably to start my own company. Um, uh, I, I like a lot of, um, you know, uh, I like the, I like business strategy. I don't, I don't necessarily care about the field, but I like the, the, the process of building processes. So, so it'd be like a consultant business. I think a consultant business would be, would be a, a good place to start before I figured out exactly what to do from there.
Cool. Cool. Well, Kevin, that's all I have. Uh, I really appreciate your time, man. This was awesome. I had a uh, great time talking to you and getting to know you a little bit. And like I said before, DST is a huge inspiration to me and um, just keep it up, man. I love what you guys are doing and um, hopefully I'll get out there soon and get to kick it with you guys in person sometime. Yeah, absolutely, Barrett. I appreciate it. Um, obviously, respecting everything you're doing. Uh, it's been a been a fun talk. Um, hopefully, we can do it again. I know I'm going to have my podcast that I got to get you on. So All right. We'll be, we'll be in touch on that end. We're looking forward to that. And uh, on social media, uh, where can we find you? So, my personal social tags are all at the Kevin Poppy. And uh, so that's T H E, and then my name, K E V I N P O P P E. And then our DST uh, tags are DST underscore Houston. Great. That's awesome, man. Thanks again. It was great to finally get to sit down and talk to Kevin and hear about his career and his journey as he and Lee and the other guys at DST have, have built DST into what it is today. Uh, and I've always wanted to pick his brain about how he lets his faith overflow into the workplace and how that makes him better at his job. Uh, and I think something that in building DST, Lee and Kevin have uh, done a great job in, in doing and making that a main part of the business and something that I definitely try to copy on my end with uh, RSP. So thanks again, Kevin, for your time. Uh, his social media is listed in the show notes. If you um, And you should follow him on Instagram and Twitter. He puts out a lot of great content. As always, if you can subscribe, rate, and review for the Whole Lot of BS podcast, we'd really appreciate it. And let me know if there's any new topics you want to hear about. Thanks for listening.